Greetings from the very bottom of the great Pacific Northwest, sitting on the edge of the Agate Desert. I'm your host, David, and you're listening to Random Weekly Talk. There we go. Forgot to unmute the microphone again. And good evening to everyone. It is presently Sunday, July twenty-first, and we have got the we've got the podcast up and going. I've actually decided to go ahead and just go with video anyway, even though I don't have my whole background set up. But who cares? If you guys don't like what I've got set up going on, don't watch. Anyway, welcome. You can see around here. You can see the <clears throat> the printer in the background over there my mess over there you can see the window over here you know i've got to get that covered up yet my other desk over here my soldering station is around there so you can see where i've got everything set up but um like i said today is sunday july 21st it is apollo 50th anniversary day well yesterday was the day they got to the moon today's the day they left and so we decided to go ahead and do this week as apollo moon landing week and so the majority of the show will be dedicated to facts that we found out about the Apollo moon landing. There's some things that I knew, some things I didn't know. And I'm going to try to get through a lot of those with you. Take you through my little setup here. I have got a ticker that I can transition over to um, right now. It is just right here. It's just going to show you our Twitter at Talk Weekly and our Facebook at Random Weekly Talk. But as we get to progress more, maybe I'll get some rolling news up there. I think maybe I'll split the screen up a little bit more. I don't have the second camera running right now because I'm having enough trouble getting the audio sync going with one camera than with two. I still have, I still have our screen capture going on over here. You can see right here I have my notes for upcoming up, coming up for the show have no idea why I've got an error popping up there but it really doesn't bother me at the moment and you can see what I'm about ready to launch into over here I've got I've got Google I've got news.google.com up right here and we're gonna go through some current events presently where I live in Jackson County it is 87 degrees and partly cloudy and I believe our humidity right now is about 12 percent our summer humidity averages between 5 percent and 20 percent and it is just something that we deal with we have lots of water to drink always be prepared to be dry when you're here it's not something that's fun to get used to all the time you can see what google is running for headlines right now it just shows that what democrats want from a special counsel robert Mueller's testimony um, Fox News host Chris Wallace tells Stephen Miller, no question, Trump is stoking racial divisions. Puerto Rico governor struggles to stay in office amid firestorms over leak of vulgar chat room talk. Um, that's more of my area I'd like to look into. I've been chatting for a long time, so maybe well, we'll get into that. And maybe next week that'll be what our report is on. Uh, Venezuelan fighter jet aggressively got in U.S. airplanes airspace, the military says. It actually um, came real close to, I believe, an E3, uh, which is just a, it's a reconnaissance plane, and it was up on just doing uh, its routine daily flights that it that it does for 
our nation and for our partner nations and what was going on. We have no idea why the Venezuelan fighter jet got up there. Um, if you want to look into Venezuela a little bit more, you can look into the difference and how they've changed over the last 70 years. You know, 70 years ago, they had like the third biggest economy in the world. And they were doing great. They were a great capitalistic community. Now they are socialist and see what it's turned them into. Yeah. So while I say that I am politically neutral, I am definitely pro-capitalism and anti-socialism. Socialism only brings people who are in power money and wealth and riches that way. So let's jump into today's show and let's get everything going now and... Welcome to Apollo 11's 50th anniversary and and what we're heading in on. So 50 years ago today, the Apollo, the Apollo um, 11 astronauts, Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong, blasted off from the moon to return and meet their counterpart in space aboard Lunar Orbiter. Now, some kids today can tell you that first man on the moon was Neil Armstrong. Some people can tell you, even fewer kids can tell you that Buzz Aldrin was the second man on the moon. Most of them only think of those two, but they don't often realize that there was a third man who was orbiting that moon the whole time that, was it 22 hours that, that Buzz and Neil were on the moon? That's Michael Collins, and good for him. You know, he gets a lot of, he gets forgotten a lot because he was just the guy who flew around the moon. But, you know, he's the guy who had to keep that ship off the moon and keep circling the moon and get things done where he needed to get done. Excuse the little flashes behind me. I don't have the the, the uh, screen up yet. And even with the blinds down, I'm still getting flashes from cars driving down the road. And that's not something that's, you know, going to be there forever. Pretty soon I'll have a green screen back there and you none of that will be seen. One other thing I'll show you guys is as I transition to going live, those of you who are on my YouTube site watching this instead of on Podbean listening, you can see that I have a chat, chat session. Oops, we're going the wrong way. There we go. Chat session right over here um, on YouTube as we go live. You'll be able to chat and your comments will scroll up on the screen and they are edited. So watch yourself for, you know, language. Um, YouTube's got a really good language thing. And speaking of that, YouTube, please do not demonetize me for using also Sprock Zarathustra because it is my own music. It was taken from Richard Strauss, which is in the public domain. And then it was made by my computer. So please, if you're going to demonetize me, at least give the money to my computer because we, we all need a little extra from here on, from here on then. So anyway, back to main screen and Let's launch right into Apollo 11. See if we get the podcast all done and over with today. And here we go. So, like I said, July 21st, the Eagle took off from the moon to go home. In fact, it was probably about three hours ago. No, it was a little bit earlier than that. But that they blasted off. They should have been right about now rendezvousing with the lunar orbiter. And after they had moved several several hundred pounds of moon rocks and cargo that they brought back with them over to the lunar orbiter, they would have kicked the eagle loose and let it go. A lot of people ask, where is it today? It could still be orbiting the moon. It could have left the orbit of the moon and went elsewhere, or it probably crashed into the moon. 
the Eagle wasn't one that they purposely crashed, so we don't know what happened with that. But, you know, there you go. Um, like I said, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and Michael Collins were the first three men to get there as far as for putting a man on the moon. And I've got some facts and some numbers about the Apollo 11 moon landing that I didn't know. Well, some things I didn't know. And then other things that I did know, and I'm hoping that we'll be able to to be educated a little bit today and we can honor these men who made that trip to the moon. Um, I don't get into conspiracy stuff about whether we went to the moon or not. Go rent yourself a sufficiently high-powered telescope and look, you will see it. You can see the Apollo, the Apollo 11 sites as well as um, the Apollo 14 sites and Apollo 17. So I think I got the numbers right. But yes, go look. Um, open your eyes and go look. Also, if you Google or just go to YouTube and look up NVIDIA debunks moon landing theories, um, their new video capture card and their software, they actually proved that the pictures that were taken from the moon had to have been taken from the moon. There's also another gentleman out there who is a producer and says, there's no way we could have had the technology at the time to fake a moon landing because we didn't have the technology to to do that that frame rate live and as we all know the moon landing was aired live now we do know that nasa did reshoots on a soundstage for some of the for publicity and things like that nasa has more than willingly admitted that but as far as the moon landing goes we were there we've been there i wish we'd go back so fact number one Moon dirt smells. And this comes, I believe, this would, yeah, this is from CNN.com. Um, and it said, a big question facing the NASA team planning the Apollo 11 moon landing was what would the moon surface be like? Now, after, they weren't even sure if the lander's legs were going to, were going to touch down in firm ground, whether they were going to sink into something soft, how deep they were going to go. They were completely unprepared for anything like that because they just didn't know. So as Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong fly across the lunar surface heading to their base, they came across their initial landing area, and they found they couldn't land there. And so they made the decision to fly on, and with about 40 seconds of fuel left, they finally sat down and, and um, landed the thing. Now, a lot of people don't realize. They say, well, 40 seconds, you know, that's not too bad. But what they were dealing with was a computer that, had they gotten too low on fuel, would have automatically taken over and flown them back up to the lunar orbiter. That way, it was automatic, and in case something had gone wrong, it just happened. So they were actually time-crunched about setting down before that safety kicked in. And when they finally sat down, do you know what the first words on the moon were? I asked a couple of people this the other day, and most of them said, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. No, that's wrong. The first words ever said from the moon were, Houston, tranquility base here, the eagle has landed. By Neil Armstrong. Like I said, though, it had about 40 seconds of fuel left when they were all done and, and sitting there. 
Now, um, back to the moon dirt and the smell. So Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong, when they got back in the lunar lander and um, repressurized it and took their helmets off, they noticed that there was a very odd smell that was going around. And it smelled kind of like burnt fireplace ashes or that fresh smell of air after a fireworks show. So there might have been a hint of sulfur in the air. They don't know what it was because by the time the astronauts got back to Earth, the smell was gone. So there definitely was some type of oxidation happening in there. And the oxidation reaction, whatever caused that, was definitely over by the time the astronauts got back to Earth. Excuse me, i got to take a drink. It's really dry here. Our humidity is down about 6% right now. You can see my iron-rich water stains everything orange. I love well water, though. So anyway, that's our first fact. Moon dirt smells. That's, you know, why not? Our mud smells, so why shouldn't moon dirt? Um, when, the, when the astronauts got back from the moon, they were quarantined for, I believe it was two weeks. The scientists were worried that they had brought space bugs back. And space bugs, without us having an immunity built up to them, could have been extremely dangerous. Um, our, thankfully, our, our astronauts came back without any space bugs that we know of. But then again, does anybody out there know how long the alien inside of, of the body and the movie Alien took before it came pushing out? Was it two weeks, three weeks? Who knows? So maybe, you know, there are bugs out there. Yeah. Um, coincidentally, you know, when we went back up and I forgot which Apollo mission it was. I think it was the very last one. And we picked up a camera we left on the moon and we brought it home. We found that it had Staphylococcus aureus in it. And at first they thought it was a space bug, but then they realized it was actually from earth that it had gotten in there and it had somehow survived being on the moon for years, which is a little disheartening because who wants to get staff? And who wants to see that staff can survive a vacuum of space? So definitely not, not I. Um, like I said, the first words on the moon were the eagle has landed. Well, Tran Houston Tranquility Base here, the eagle has landed. Then the next words that were spoken that we know of, or the most famous words actually, were by Neil Armstrong. Which is one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind. Now, over the years, there have been some controversy over that statement. The actual phrase is the way it was written was one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind. There's been two different stories on this. One came out that said the radio fuzzed when Neil Armstrong said it. And that's why we didn't actually get to hear A. And we've actually heard Neil Armstrong say at one point that he may have flubbed it and forgotten to say A that he was so taken back. But we probably will never know the actual, you know, thing behind it. I really don't care. It's a great statement whether it has the letter in it or not. And, you know, I'd give anything to be up there on the moon. I'm a, you know, I'm a bit of a of a moon junkie, I guess. And again, I also happen to like Star Wars too. Yeah, that's me. Um the Apollo flight computer which has a lot less computing power than most calculators today, weighed about 70 pounds. And it's a big old heavy thing. And if you take into account my cell phone here, 
is a lot more powerful than that. It's amazing that, you know, the guys who programmed that thing knew what they were doing well enough to get that computer to guide to the moon and back, especially considering you're on a vehicle that has a very hard time navigating in space because all of your celestial objects are moving around and they had to find new ways to navigate. That space was very foreign. I mean, you just can't go up there and look around. You have to figure out, okay, well, I need to head this direction because that's the way the moon's coming so I can run into the moon. If you go straight out the moon, you end up chasing the moon and you, it takes a lot longer to get there if you have enough fuel to even get there. So, yeah, other facts. In 2002, Buzz Aldrin hit a reporter. Some of you may have heard about this. Some of you may have not. Some people may not even know the context behind it. But a reporter was pushing him about whether or not we'd actually went to the moon. And he took the Bible and he pushed it into Buzz Armstrong, Buzz Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin's chest and dared him to swear on the Bible. Now, this prompted Buzz to give him an uppercut and he haymakered him pretty good. And I, for one, agree with what Buzz did. After all, you don't shove anything in anybody's chest and demand they do anything. Now, it may not be politically correct in today's times, but that's not a good thing to do with anybody. It's not politically correct to go up and shove a Bible into somebody's chest either. Now, let's look at the context behind that. Why would Buzz, Arms, Buzz Aldrin get so upset over that? Well, one, he's having this dignity question right there. To Buzz Aldrin, um, from what I could find out with all my research, is that he's a pretty God-fearing man. And he probably felt the need to defend his own faith at that point as well. And I'll give you an example of, of what I know or how I know that Buzz Aldrin is a, is a very good God-fearing man. When they, when they landed on the moon and they were preparing to leave the spacecraft and step out onto the lunar surface, Buzz Aldrin celebrated Holy Communion on the moon. Now, I didn't say whether or not Neil Armstrong took, took part in the event or not, but that goes to show you what level of faith that Buzz Aldrin has. That the first that what he did was he took part in the celebration of Holy Communion. And if any of you are familiar with that with that Holy Sacrament, you'll know that that's the the coming together of God and man when you celebrate that. And so Buzz Aldrin was just there thinking about that and what landing on the moon meant to him. Now, so what did landing on the moon mean to Neil Armstrong? So Neil Armstrong himself had a pretty, you know, you can hear it in his voice when he's talking to Houston back and forth. And what he took with him to the moon was he actually took pieces of wood and canvas from the first Wright Brothers plane. See, it was 66 years that was different between the first Wright Brothers flight in 1903 and then the lunar landing in 1969. Neil Armstrong saw that it was right to take those pieces with him from the pioneering plane and to symbolize the great progress that they had made in aviation. Now, Armstrong took these pieces and he put them in, his, in what was called their PPK, their personal preference kit, and he took them to the moon and back. 
and Neil Armstrong has a connection to the Wright brothers as they're both from the state of Ohio. The artifacts now sit in the Smithsonian Museum in Washington, D.C. For those of you who don't know, the moon is about 240,000 miles away as far as the Apollo 11 um, is concerned. And it did that distance in 76 hours before it entered into a lunar orbit. Um, somewhere around here, it burned some 380,000 gallons of kerosene and 400,000 gallons of liquid oxygen. And that's the first 38 miles out of the Earth just to get up that far. That's the power it takes to achieve um, orbit around the Earth. I'm sorry, it's um, 203 gallons, 203,000 gallons of kerosene and 318,000 gallons of liquid oxygen just to move it 38 miles into the sky. It's incredible. It's a huge amount of fuel. Nowadays, they use liquid methane, liquid propane, liquid oxygen, and liquid hydrogen just, you know, to achieve those same things. I believe Falcon Heavy uses... Um, liquid methane and oxygen to get going. Um, yeah, it's, it's an incredible event just to get something into orbit, let alone get it once it's up there into orbit, then you have to get it out of orbit and heading towards the moon. Incidentally, when the, moon, when the lunar orbiter entered the moon's atmosphere or into orbit around the moon, um, its average speed was about 4.3 miles per second. And they had to slow down so they didn't overshoot the moon. Um, you don't want to skip off of anything around in space because then it's really hard to turn yourself around. Things don't move in space like they show you on, on Star Trek or Star Wars. It takes a lot of different um, thrusters and maneuvering jets in order to get yourself to turn around and to move back and forth. Yeah, so what comes down to, what comes down to this, what would have happened then had the astronauts not made it to the moon and what would have happened had they made it to the moon and then couldn't make it home well president nixon had had his aides type up several different letters um, some of them are you can find them on i believe they're at the smithsonian and one of the biggest things that they had to come up with is what happened if the guys on the moon couldn't get off the moon, what did they do? Because they didn't have a backup plan. There was no send another ship up to get them. They didn't even have enough oxygen to sit on the moon and wait. So there's no way if, you know, they could have had Apollo 12 ready to go and launch that sucker within minutes. It's still, they would have still not gotten there in time. They might have gotten there in enough time to save Michael Collins if they could have, you know, towed him back or however, but... But Buzz Aldrin and um, Neil Armstrong were left there, would have been left there. Um, NASA's own records at the time indicated that they were to terminate the stream, the, the communication. And then President Nixon would call the families and then he would get on and address the nation or the world as, as it is and tell them what had happened. Now the way I read into the NASA documents were that it wasn't that NASA was just going to terminate the television stream is that they were going to terminate all communication with the guys on the moon. So I don't know if they were going to hang out with them for a while or talk with them or talk them through or, or, you know, stay with their comrades until the end or not, but it sure sounds like they weren't going to. And I really wish that wasn't true. Um, because, you know, sometimes it's a little, 
we we like to stay with our comrades. And yeah, I've got a note here. It says protocol was simple. Mission control would have stopped all communication, and then Nixon would have called the families before making a speech. And we never had to hear that particular one, and I'm glad we didn't, because it probably would have been the end of our space program for a very long time. Just look at the pauses that happened with both Challenger and then Columbia. It took us a while to get back into space, and yeah. So, now that we know what would have happened if they were stranded on the moon, how many of you know that they almost were stranded on the moon? It's something that's not widely known. I learned about this in my research, and it kind of shocked me because I had no clue that our astronauts almost didn't come back from the moon. So what happened was when they got back into the lunar, the lunar lander and they locked everything up and they repressurized everything and they got ready to leave, the button that was to activate their their rocket motor to fire them back off up into space so they could go catch with the, catch up with the lunar orbiter broke off. Yeah, they couldn't fire their rocket motor. Now, just to give you an example, this rocket motor was made to fire. It was made up of two hypergolic liquids. Now, just to give you an example, hypergolic means they instantly burst into flames. So all they had to do was flip that switch chemicals mix there's no spark no nothing they mix and they automatically go boom so the only thing that could go wrong in that whole thing was that switch breaking and guess what happened the switch broke so buzz aldrin was was fiddling around with it and it was a felt tip pin pen that saved him he stuffed it in the hole where the switch had broken managed to find a way to activate that rocket motor and zoom, off they went. Those chemicals mixed, and up they went. Um, if you want an example of two hypergolic liquids, um, take brake fluid and, um, and um, sulfuric acid and mix them together and get back. Um, don't do that. You know, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't recommend ever doing that. You may not even get sulfuric acid strong enough to do that, but they will, they like to go. I'm sure if you research YouTube, you can find a lot of stuff like that. Anyway, so that was our information on Apollo 11. I'm working on stuff again for for next week. If you have any ideas, leave a message in the comments, or if you're listening on Podbean, message me there. I have plenty of information to get back and forth. If you have a specific topic in mind, let me know. Um, again, YouTube, please do not demonetize me for using also Sprock Zarathustra because it is in public domain and the music was my own. It wasn't from anybody else. So anyway, I'm going to close out today with saying some other words that were said to John Glenn as he took, as he took off and that was Godspeed to you all. And I'm going to replay the opening here and we'll fade out with that. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.